Good morning, Colorado. You're listening to the Daily Sun Up with the Colorado Sun. It's Thursday, October 26th. Today, Sun reporters John Ingold and Michael Booth are talking about how to keep your home safe from wildfire smoke, as well as details on how much health insurance will cost next year. Before we begin, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pinnacle Assurance, Colorado's leading workers' compensation provider. Right now, Pinnacle Assurance is offering enhanced nationwide coverage to protect businesses as they grow. From a storefront in Pueblo with a new location in Arizona to a florist in Boulder with a greenhouse in Oklahoma, Pinnacle goes where businesses grow. Now, let's go back in time with some Colorado history. Harnessing water resources for western settlement is intricate and costly. The Animas La Plata project in La Plata and Montezuma counties exemplifies this, experiencing decades of construction, litigation, and alterations since the 1960s. Although the U.S. Congress authorized ALP in 1968, it faced continuous planning, environmental studies, and lobbying by nearby reservations for water rights. Groundbreaking occurred on this date in 1991, but environmental groups sued in 1992, stalling the project. Construction resumed in 2002, completing a major earthen dam by 2008 and filling Lake Nighthorse by 2011. Challenges, including environmental concerns and ensuring fair access, persist, highlighting the complexities of large-scale water projects in balancing diverse interests. Before we continue, another quick message. Do you or anyone you know have questions about Medicare as open enrollment begins? Join the Colorado Sun virtually on November 2nd as health reporter John Ingold speaks with panelists about everything you need to know about Medicare and helping select the right plan. The event is free, virtual, and open to the public. RSVP today and submit your questions for panelists by visiting coloradosun.com events. Next, our feature story. Hi, everyone. Happy Thursday, and welcome to another edition of our Daily Sun Up podcast. Uh, reporter chats. I'm John Ingold. I'm the healthcare reporter here at The Sun. Uh, joining me every Thursday is my colleague Michael Booth, who covers climate and environment. And together, we every week on Wednesdays produce a newsletter called The Temperature, which brings you up to date on the latest in uh, health news, health insurance, uh, climate, uh, water pollution, air quality, uh, pretty much the, the whole gamut of health and environment issues that you might be interested in. So if you are uh, not already receiving that and want to learn more about how to get that, you can go to coloradosun.com slash join. Uh, but enough of the the sales pitch. Uh, Mike, how you doing? Doing well, John, and our temperature is about to change in the next couple of days pretty radically, uh, although we can't complain. It's been an amazing last four weeks of gorgeous weather, so. Yeah, definitely. It's now the, the race is on between the leaves to fall before the snow comes, so we can try and avoid a, a limb breaker. Yes, save us from some raking uh, if the snow is deep enough. Yeah. Um. So, uh, maybe a little bit out of season, but as we've learned now, uh, there's never a part of the year in Colorado that is not wildfire season. And uh, you've been doing some coverage on new research about the impacts of wildfire smoke in homes and how to get rid of it. So, what have you learned? Yeah, that's a good reminder that the some of the fires that have done the most damage in Colorado, like East Troublesome, happened in the last week of October. So, We've been amazingly lucky this year for the most part in Colorado, avoiding that kind of wildfire danger, but it will come around again. 
and some CSU researchers collaborated with people around the country to talk about what happens when you've been near a wildfire disaster. It did not destroy your home, but you may have had smoke going through your home, even if you were being very careful, keeping the windows closed, keeping the doors closed. It manages to find its way in through the foundations and through the cracks and the windowsills and things like that. And you end up with wildfire smoke in your home and what's left behind. So they have this really cool test home in suburban Maryland that the National Institute of Standards and Technology runs for all kinds of different measurements. And so CSU chemistry professor Delphine Farmer led the research from the Colorado point of view that wanted to look at, you've got the smoke in the home, uh, what happens to it afterward chemically, how long do we have to worry about it, what impact would it have on humans or pets living in that house. And the results were surprising. Uh, but of course, so were the methods. One of the things that was so intriguing about this story for me was that they just lean, researchers are amazing. They always cobble amazing MacGyver things together to both do the experiments and then to interpret the results. So there was a grad student involved in this research. They were trying to figure out, okay, how do we, without burning down this whole house or the surrounding forest, how do we emulate wildfire smoke? And a grad student said, well, I used to be a bartender. We had these things that were burn wood chips to make uh, smoky Bloody Mary or any number of other, uh, no doubt, very expensive high-end cocktails that had a smoky flavor to them. And it seems like we could burn some wood chips in one of these smokers and try to get close to it. And they tried it, analyzed it with a few different kind of wood chips and found that the residue is very similar to what might happen in wildfire. So they sprayed that around the test house, had all their instruments set up in a really cool living room with all kinds of... Um, instrumentations in other rooms, kind of like Ghostbusters, and watched what happened to that smoke as it lingered and then settled in the house. So what they found was that maybe the tool you don't need most after wildfires have passed nearby is an air filter, which we think would be the most useful tool. You might need to actually get out the elbow grease and the scrub pads and the vacuum and really attack the surfaces because the smoke and the particles settle on surfaces and volatile organic compounds that comes with wildfire smoke and lingers there and sort of emanates, radiates off that surface for hours, days, perhaps weeks to come and can impact the occupants of that house. And they can chemically track it and then predict out into the future how it may decay over time but still happen. And as Delphine put it in our conversation, they the impact never went back down to baseline. So the results of that are that you've got these lingering particles, lingering volatile organic compounds coming off the walls, coming off the floors, the carpet. And what they need to know more about and what they'll try to study more in the future is, okay, well, what would be the actual impacts on human health from that outside wildfire smoke? So they will be teaming up with other researchers and trying to link what they found in the house to human medical effects. So you got uh, a question from a reader that uh, posed an interesting sort of offshoot of this issue, which is, okay, so wildfire smoke is bad. What about smoke coming from wood-burning stoves? What about uh, wood fireplaces? Yeah, what if the horror or the danger is coming from inside the house? What if you've got a wood stove that is, rel even if it's relatively new, 
may be EPA approved, may have some other restrictions and regulations on it. But you're wondering, hmm, I feel like every time I open that door, I can smell smoke. I'm throwing another chunk of wood. What's that doing to my family? So reader Sarah wanted to know that. And Delphine Farmer was kind enough to answer the question and say, it's a fairly simple test. If you are smelling smoke or anything that seems like that, then yes, there are volatile organic compounds in your house. There is some level of particulate pollution, but not necessarily not necessarily to freak out about that um, and not necessarily run out and buy a very pricey air filter or air sensor, but just to make sure you go back to the regulations of the stove that you bought, see how much they tested uh, with the EPA or other regulators on what comes out of it, and make sure that it was installed properly and vented properly and go from there. So that was her answer on that. And we welcome reader questions in the future. It's always great for us to interact with folks, find out what they're curious about, how it affects their daily lives, and try to help them out with a follow-up question. And our experts were kind enough to take their time and do more of that. John, on your side of it this week, you have been reporting a lot about speaking of impacts of human health and how to pay for it. There are some new rates out on insurance, health insurance in Colorado, and what the state has done to try to keep a limit on that. So what did we find after the state went through its reviews of all the filings from the insurance companies? Yeah, so it's uh, it's open enrollment season, or at least getting there, depending on what kind of plan you have. And um, one feature of open enrollment season is that the state will every year announce the rates that it approves to be charged in what's known as the individual market, which is where people, if you don't get your health insurance through a job, uh, you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, uh, the individual market will be where you would go to buy that health insurance plan on your own. This is also kind of known as the ACA market. It's where you might go to get subsidies. It it ends up uh, receiving a lot of attention from regulators because there's a lot of policy built around it. And the state government, uh, the state division of insurance especially, has a lot of authority to uh, to to make decisions here and in terms of what um, what these companies charge. So every year there's a process where the companies submit their proposed rates and then uh, regulators look those over. Uh, they decide whether they are uh, adequate and uh, well substantiated by the, the data that's been filed. And then they generally will, will push them down a little bit uh, to try and protect consumers. Sometimes, and this happened once this year, they will actually ask a company to raise their rates because they think they're not going to be sustainable. And uh, then they come out with the final numbers. So the 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 whole upshot here is that uh, rates on the individual market are set to increase by a little under 10%, about 9.7% on average uh, next year. Um, now, of course, this is before you count uh, any sort of subsidies people may get. And this is also uh, before you take into account uh, any shopping people may do. So if you're in a plan that's going to auto renew and is going to go up by 10%, you may be able to shop around, find a different plan that still meets your needs, and that won't be as expensive as the the current plan that you're on. So that's always the caveat is that individual results may vary, but just looking at the the overall picture, um, we're looking at a 9.7% increase for next year. Right. And we should probably keep in mind, as you always do, that in the real world of normal inflation and normal costs, a double-digit increase wouldn't necessarily be a celebration or a cause for declaring victory. 
But in healthcare world where it's been much worse in some cases, and sometimes 30% increases may not be that bad. Uh, but also what people might hear from all this um, is, and that's fascinating to me that what, as you mentioned, the state might tell people they're not charging enough. There are some names in the past that are in the graveyard of insurance companies like Bright Health and Oscar, among others. And sometimes the state has to say, you're not charging enough and it might cause you to fail and cause your customers a lot of problems in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's what appears to have happened with one plan this year. It's called the Denver Health Medical Plan, or it sometimes operates under the name uh, Elevate Health Plans. Uh, it's generally been a smaller company, uh, serves the Denver metro area and has like maybe a few thousand members. So usually not one of the bigger players, but some of those companies that you're mentioning, uh, Bright, Oscar, also Friday Health Plans, um, they all either have left the market or collapsed uh, in Colorado. And so this potentially positions this Denver Health Plan to be a lot more prominent. And in addition to that, it's um, it struck up some agreements that's going to be expanding into more counties. And so I think there was a concern that they were underpricing their plans based on who they were going to get. And so the state told them they requested something like a seven or eight percent increase, and the state ended up telling them, like, actually, you need a nineteen percent increase in your prices. And when we think of that overall average increase, that actually ends up being kind of a big reason why that that number is as high as it is, and it's not lower, because for every other insurer that submitted plans, the division pushed back usually by uh, two or three percentage points in terms of what they were asking for. And as you mentioned, they are expanding from being a sort of Denver health-based network with some agreements that will allow other people to get healthcare. So our listeners in Summit or Eagle or other mountain counties should at least take a look at them if they're shopping on the market. Yeah. So the big thing that they're doing is that they are now going to be the insurer that works with the Peak Health Alliance which is this, uh, it, it's known as a, a purchasing alliance. Basically, it's a group of people who get together uh, under the, the banner of this Peak Health Alliance, and they go out and they directly negotiate contracts with their local doctors and their local hospitals, and they try to uh, use their community connections and their, their you know, sort of appeal to community uh, benefits to get better prices. And then once they have those contracts in hand, which contracts are usually something that insurers negotiate, but once this this collective of people now has this, this alliance now has uh, these contracts in hand, then they go out and they uh, find an insurer who will price a plan based on what those contracts say. So so Elevate Health Plans is going to be the, the insurer that works with the Peak Health Alliance this year. They're not in Eagle, but they are in uh, eight counties. Uh, I don't want to try and rattle them all off here, but there's some sort of in the Central Mountains, Summit County, especially Park, um, you know th- those those kind of counties. I think Lake, and then there's there's another chunk that is down in the southwest part of the state. And we should mention you've got an event coming up. It is open enrollment season. We all enter it for our different health insurance plans. You got an event coming up for Sun members and people, anybody who wants to sign up for free to talk about how people go about choosing the plan that's right for them. Tell us more about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we actually have two open enrollment events coming up because we love doing them so much. But it, but it is good It is good public information. So 
the, the first open enrollment event is actually going to deal with Medicare open enrollment, which if you watch the TV at all, you know, you see those Medicare open enrollment ads. If you are Medicare eligible, you're probably getting mailers, phone calls, you know, all sorts of sort of different outreach. You know, Medicare open enrollment has really become um, a, a, a real market focus for a lot of insurers to, to try and deal in the Medicare Advantage market. So we're going to be explaining all that. What's the difference between traditional Medicare and Medicare Advantage? How do you know which one is right for you? Uh, how do you go about finding a plan? How do you go about making sure that you're finding a plan that makes sure you have access to the medications you want or the doctor you want? How do you uh, figure out how much this is all going to cost you? And we have some really great experts lined up for that. That one will be November 2nd, so coming up a week from today uh, at 6 p.m. It's virtual, um, so all you need is, is a computer and an internet connection. It's, uh, it's also free. But you do need to register to get the link, and you can do that at coloradosun.com slash events. Uh, and then a month later, uh, a little more, on December 6th, we'll be doing an open enrollment panel that looks mostly at the individual market, but will also probably be helpful for people who are trying to pick a, a plan that their employer is offering. Uh, we'll go through the different options there. Uh, some of it will be individual market specific, like how do you find out if you're eligible for subsidies? But some of it will be like, you know, how do you decide whether you need a bronze plan or a silver plan or a gold plan? How do you actually estimate uh, what your healthcare needs are going to be in the coming year? So that'll be on December 6th. We'll have a little more detail on that coming up, but um, and you'll be able to register for that. But same deal, free, virtual. Uh, just want to get the information out there. And bring your questions as always, because you will not find more expert answers than the ones that John is putting together with our experts who are giving their time to join us in both November and December. And if you go to coloradosun.com slash events, not only will you find those events to sign up for in health insurance, but before that, October 26th, you'll see our event on ballot measures with our political staff. And we won't tell you how to vote, but we can tell you how to think about voting and get people's opinions on what the ballot issues actually mean. And it's complicated this year. So we encourage you to sign up for that. Everybody do that. Go again, go to coloradosun.com slash events. John, thanks for your reporting and your time. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I always enjoy it. You can read more at coloradosun.com. Finally, here are a few stories that you should know about today. West Nile is certainly not on the level of other viral illnesses like COVID, flu, or RSV, but it is emerging as a significant public health threat in Colorado. The state just endured its worst West Nile season since the virus became endemic in 2003. Two Colorado State University professors are in the early phases of trying a novel approach to control West Nile. If we can't vaccinate humans, can we vaccinate birds? They are trying to create a vaccine using a bacteria from yogurt to put in chicken feed since birds are one of the biggest transmitters of West Nile. The Colorado GOP is charging Republican presidential candidates as much as $40,000 to appear on the March 5th primary ballot. Democratic and Republican parties in other states also force presidential candidates to pony up to be on their primary ballots, but such a fee hasn't been imposed in Colorado in at least a decade. The Colorado GOP in August adopted presidential candidate qualification rules that require candidates to do one of three things. Pay the party $40,000 pay $20,000 and visit the state once, or host a fundraiser for the Colorado GOP. A Colorado welding company must resubmit a different form of payment after it tried to pay a $23,500 settlement with coins. Earlier this week, a judge chided the company for sending three tons of change to a subcontractor. 
The judge rules that JMF Enterprises acted maliciously and in bad faith by delivering a custom-made metal box containing the coins that was too heavy to be carried in the freight elevator at the offices for the subcontractor's lawyer. He also said it would now have to write a larger check to cover an estimated $8,000 in legal fees. For more information on all of these stories, visit our website, coloradosun.com. And don't forget to tune in again next time. The Colorado Sun is nonpartisan and completely independent. We're always dedicated to telling the in-depth stories we need today more than ever. And the Sun is supported by readers and listeners like you. Right now, you can head to coloradosun.com and become a member, starting at $5 per month for a basic membership, and if you bump it up to $20 per month, you'll get access to our exclusive politics and outdoors newsletters. Thanks for starting your morning with us, and don't forget to tune in again tomorrow. Tomorrow.